You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. You know, today in our world, I would say never, ever, ever have we needed to be more discerning and wise than right now. Would anyone agree with that? We live in a time where information is only a click or a hey Siri or whatever you say for Alexa. What do you say for Alexa? Alexa, that's easy. Where, you know, streams and streams of, of endless information are just readily available for us, some accurate and true, and others misleading and blatantly false. This applies, you know, holistically. The information we access through Facebook with those targeted ads that show us what we want to see. The information we're exposed to through articles on mainstream and and not so mainstream news sites. Ideas that anyone can share. Anyone can share nowadays. It's so easy. You want to start a podcast? Tell everyone what you think about anything. You can do it in about five minutes. Things that are shared on podcasts, YouTube, or even the old radio. What about text messages that we receive? I got one this morning, something about something in my car not being secure. But maybe, maybe they're the sort of text messages where you get that, that link and it's saying, oh, your, your ATO account is no longer secure and just click here to secure it. Or maybe um, one of those messages, has anyone got a message from their daughter lately? I got one from my daughter too, who doesn't even have a phone, so that's a, that's a miracle in itself. But this, this one is like this, this, you know, say, oh, Dad, I've, I've lost my phone and, and here's my new number and can you just give me a call? And then little by little, the, if, you, if you click and if you go for it, it, it gets to a point where your daughter's asking you for cash and that daughter isn't actually your daughter but someone from somewhere else. Never before have we needed to be more discerning. We need discernment now more than ever. And, let's, and I'll, I'll go there today. We need discernment more than ever in the church too. In our day and age, anyone can say anything and get it published and say it in Jesus' name and it's out there. Anyone, whether they have a solid theological foundation or not, anyone can do that. Never before have we been exposed to such a wide range of teachings and thoughts and theologies than in our day today. Whereas once some degree, it was a bit safer, whereas once people would come to a local church and they would hopefully hear a decent message from someone who's done some theological training, and that would be all they'd hear for the week, nowadays we can listen to literally any person sharing anything in the name of Jesus any single minute of the day that we like. And like with the general information that we can get with a Hey Siri or Alexa, or, you know, a click of the mouse away, some Christian resources that are out there are accurate, they're true, they're faithful, and there are many others that are misleading and inaccurate. So, the question is, how can we ensure that what we take on spiritually is true and not a distortion of the truth? How do we grow in discernment? How... What can we do to play our part in fast-tracking 
our abilities to accurately discern what is true from that which is false. So this is what we're going to explore today. So how about we pray as we open God's word and let God's word, the truth, guide us in all truth. Yes, loving God, we thank you so much that you are the ultimate one who is discerning. You know, we, we see people from the outside and it looks like they got it all together, but you even discern the desires and the thoughts, the private thoughts that, that are going on inside people, Lord. You, you see things as they really are. And so, God, as we, as we follow you, who are the most discerning one, we pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see as you see, that you would open our ears to hear as you hear, that you would open our hearts to, to be in line with the truth, not misaligned, not even by one degree, God, because we know one degree by one degree over a period of time and all of a sudden you're way off track. God, we want to be discerning. We need to be discerning desperately. So guide us in discernment. Guide us in all truth, Lord, and help us to stand firm for what is true and stand against what is false. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we open God's Word. If you've never read it before, if you read it for even an hour, you would see that over and over again, you read the New Testament, you'll see all these exhortations or encouragements to be discerning. In 1 John, for instance, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John pleads with his hearers to be discerning when he says this. You can almost hear him pleading. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but tests the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 9 to 10 says this about his desire to see his followers or his hearers grow in discernment. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Why? So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 22, Paul urges followers of Jesus to be discerning with what they take on or receive from people ministering in Jesus' name. And particularly concerning prophecies, he writes, he says, do not despise prophecies, because who knows that's easy to do, isn't it? We, we, we're not discerning and we just throw it all out. But that would be foolish. Prophecy is of God. Not all prophecy is of God, just like not all teaching is of God. But we're not to despise prophecies, but we're to test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. They're just a, they're just a number that I, I plucked out for this morning. But over and over again, Scripture urges followers of Jesus any of us here who want to follow Jesus today, any of us here who are considering following Jesus today, this is what we're all called to do, to be discerning. So what does it mean to be discerning or to show discernment? Well, a very simple definition for discernment is this, courtesy of John MacArthur. He writes, In its simplest definition, discernment is nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. 
In other words, the ability to think with discernment is synonymous with an ability to think biblically. It's a good definition. Maybe not such a simple definition, but it's a good one. And Sinclair Ferguson, a theologian, he builds on this and shares a bit more of a, a fleshed-out one that I think is, is just adds those extra layers that's really important for us to grasp. He writes, We are on our guard against being led astray by false teachers, but there's more to discernment than this. True discernment means not only distinguishing the right from the wrong, it means distinguishing the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent, and the permanent from the transient. And yes, it means distinguishing between the good and the better, and even between the better and the best. I like that. This is the deeper discernment that all of us are called to develop and grow in. For most of us, you know, here's an example. This might have happened to you before. But for most of us, when we receive an email from one of our long-lost relatives overseas who's saying to us, you are the sole beneficiary of $34 million. Can you believe it? And I'm contacting you with this good news. Now, all we need to do in order to make sure that it's a secure transaction, because, you know, $34 million needs a bit of a secure transfer, you just need to transfer me 10000 US and then the, the full balance will be able to, because then we'll have a secure transaction. How's that sound? Now, when we get something like that, many of us can pretty quickly identify that that is false, isn't it? Someone's having to go. And if you're thinking about doing that, let me tell you, that's false. So don't, you don't have a friend in the Bahamas, you're not a long lost, <laughs> you don't have a, a, you're not from the lineage of some King Julian from the Bahamas. King Julian. <laughs> uh, I've watched too much Madagascar. <laughs> you know, many of us can very easily identify things that are false. And that goes for Christian teachers too, doesn't it? Sadly, there are plenty of Christian, Christian teachers who have actually just outed themselves because of their extravagant lifestyles, because of their ungodly living, because of their twisted gospel messages. And they're, and they're really easy to discern. We can see it. We don't even need to necessarily name them. Even in me describing that, you can probably think of a handful of people right now off the top of your head. Those kind of ministers of another gospel that ask their followers for seed faith money. They don't just ask their followers from affluent countries, they ask their followers in abject poverty in African nations. And they say, if you just give me however much dollars, then I'll be able to come and minister more often to you in Africa because I'll be able to buy a new Learjet and then I'll be able to fly anytime I want. That is absolute abomination. And man... They might, they might face anything in this life, but I wouldn't want to be in their shoes when they stand face to face before Jesus one day. Other false teachers who have been video recorded, don't go and look for these, by the way. <laughs> Just believe me on this one. But they've been video recorded verbally berating their congregation because the, the congregation are not going to give the money for the pastors to be able to buy his wife the, the latest Cartier luxury watch. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but it's true. And I think it's pretty clear to, 
to say that it's people who do that kind of thing. They're, they're certainly not promoting the true gospel. And yeah, they've outed themselves as false teachers, charlatans, proposing to be something that they're actually not. And you know, as Jesus said, because I'm not just saying this, Jesus said this. Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen to 20, he said, by their what, you will know them? By their fruit, you will know them. And by their fruit, we see that many false teachers for who they really are, and we see, sadly, who they're actually spending their lives serving. It's not him. It's, it's him or her. But, and this is where it gets tricky, but other false teachers, and this doesn't just go for false teachers as well. Let's think bigger than that. It goes for other Christian beliefs, other theological ideas that are very influential, that are very popular in the church today, they are far more difficult to recognise. They are far more difficult to recognise. And this is where all of us need to do that deeper work of growing in discernment, in developing, as, Sin, uh, as Sinclair Ferguson calls it, the sixth sense of discernment. He writes, Discernment is like the physical senses. To some, it is given in unusual measure as a special grace gift. That's 1 Corinthians 12.10. You can check that out. But some measure of it is essential for us all and must be constantly nourished. The Christian must take care to develop his sixth, sixth sense blah, 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 of spiritual discernment. And this is why the psalmist prays, teach me good judgment and knowledge. You know, one of the things that keeps us or stops us from developing this discernment at a deeper level is actually our misunderstanding of what it means to be judgmental or to make judgments. Anyone agree with that? I'll just clear it right up for us all now, okay? I've boiled it down into to one sentence. So as soon as you hear me say this, it'll, just, it'll be done, put to bed. All right, you ready? Here we go. So the Bible warns us about the dangers of judging others and also encourages us to judge others. That's clear, isn't it? You know exactly. Clear as mud? <laughs> Not at all clear. You know, this passage that often gets thrown around and, and people, you know, often Christians misquote it if they feel like someone is being a bit too harsh about the behaviour of someone else. Often supporters of false teachers will throw this at the way of people for calling into question, like, man, you're asking people in Africa to give you a dollar so you can go and buy a Learjet? Like, what, what planet are you on? And then as soon as someone says that and calls that into question, they're like, oh, judge not lest you'd be judged. Matthew 7, 1. And at first glance, Jesus' own words are clear, aren't they? Judge not that you be not judged. If we judge others, we put ourselves under judgment. So don't do it ever, period. That's it. Don't judge. It's not what it says. It's not what Jesus is actually saying. Like any point of teaching, we can't just look at one isolated scripture or even one passage. We need to look at what God's whole word says. And even with what Jesus says here, if we look at only five other verses, we see that he's saying something else altogether. Let's read Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, 
you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And here's the kicker. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, oh, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Wow. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Context. Isn't it a beautiful thing? So do you see what Jesus is actually saying here? He's not saying, don't make judgments ever. He's saying that we should never make hypocritical judgments, i.e. looking at someone else and going, oh, man, you're really, you got, it, you got it all wrong here, mate, when that issue is the very issue that we ourselves are actually burdened with, you know? Having to go at someone because whatever the issue is, while well, all the time we've actually got a, a bigger issue if we honestly evaluate it at our heart's level. Hypocritical judging. Jesus is saying hypocritical judging is wrong, not suggesting that making a judgment in and of itself is wrong. In fact, this is funny how this so often happens, we only actually need the very, to read the very next verse to, um, to see Jesus making judgment. Jesus names people who don't want to hear or receive what is holy, i.e. the pearls, the good news message of the kingdom he's ushering in, Jesus discerns their hearts and he calls them what? Dogs and pigs. I mean, meek and mild, non-judgmental Jesus. Like, I mean, you know, sure, he's without sin, so he's not, you know, hypocritical in his judgment. He's truthful in his judgment. But he's making, he's discerning their hearts. He's discerning where they're at. And that's what he refers to them. And in John's gospel, John Chapter 7, verse 24, this is a part of a passage where people are marvelling at hearing Jesus' teaching despite him never having gone through the traditional apprenticeship, if you like, of following a rabbi, being covered in the dust of the rabbi. It was a saying back in the day because the, the followers would, would be following so close everywhere around the highways and the byways and they'd literally be covered in the dust of their rabbi from following them around. But despite him never having studied, they were just amazed. And Jesus goes even further and he explicitly commands his followers to judge others with right judgment. Verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Hear this today, friends. We are to make judgments. We are to judge. We are to discern. We are to make assessments of ideas, of information, of people. We are to discern that which is right from that which is wrong and that which is truth from that which is error. All right. Hey, Ray, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked with this, mate. What do I got here? Cash. He is shocked. He looks shocked. I don't believe it, Ray's saying. Joel has actually got some cash. Ray really loves his cash. And um, as we all hear regularly, cash, cash is king, or at least it was about a decade ago. <laughs> well, you don't, do you know what? Over the decades, many criminal organisations have had a crack at making one of these, haven't they? 
you know, with varying levels of success. Some have attempted to make and then circulate fake bank notes. Even today, you know, you've got to be careful at times because you can, from time to time, come across a note that feels strangely thin or not made of the same plasticky stuff and go, hang on a minute, that's not actually a real deal. They look the goods, but upon closer inspection, they're not actually worth a cent. And now, on the RBA website, which the most loved organisation in Australia currently, <laughs> they have a counterfeit money detection guide. Counterfeit money detection guide. It's, it's this page that's, that's full of lots of different photos, and it highlights all the different you know, watermarks and little symbols and little, little tiny writing bits that show you what a real note should look for, like if you search hard enough. And John MacArthur, in his book, Reckless Faith, he shares this insight into how federal agents, FBI agents in the US, recognise counterfeit money. This is brilliant. He writes, Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. Then, when they see the bogus money, they recognise it. Isn't that good? Why can they so easily recognise what is counterfeit? Because they are intimately familiar with what is real. They know it. They know it. They have spent their lives studying, and then they continue to study the very real thing. And because they have and do, as soon as something comes along their way that, that seems good and has lots of markers of being the real thing, they're able to quickly discern that it is not actually what it's made out to be. You know, like with a bank note, to discern and see what is true when it comes to an idea, a point of theology, really anything anyone says from a pulpit or in a podcast, anything at all that's declared in the name of Jesus, we need to come back to and be intimately familiar with the real thing too, don't we? And the only thing that is real, the only thing that can actually be completely relied on is God's word, the Bible. Paul speaks of Scripture's true worth when he encourages his protege Timothy with these words in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Paul writes, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is such a truth, isn't it? We will only ever be able to discern what is true from that which is counterfeit if we immerse ourselves in the truth, in God's word. You know, one of, one of my favourite accounts in scripture, I love the book of Acts, but in particular, Acts chapter 17. And in the first part of this chapter, Paul and Silas head to a, a region called Thessalonica to share the gospel. And when they're there, as often happened in the early church days, they faced a bit of opposition. Some of the people received the word, Scripture says, received the word and actually joined them, followed them on. 
But the Jews in that area at Thessalonica, they, they became jealous and formed a mob and sent the city into chaos. Can you imagine? Man, it would have been a... Would have been, you would have known you were alive back in those days as a Christian, wouldn't you? And then Paul and Silas, they, they realised that, that not everyone was wanting to hear what they were offering there, so they moved on. And they moved on to a, a region called Berea. I'll read this account from Acts chapter 17, verse 10. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into not another Jewish synagogue. What are they thinking? Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. I love how, I love how um, Luke describes the response of, of those noble Jews in Thessalonica in verse 11b. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Friends, if you ever want a concise go-to for what it means to be discerning as a Christian and how to actually act out in discernment, that is us there. This is our posture. Yeah? Amen? This is the kind of response all of us need to have when it comes to discerning whether anything we read or hear someone say or is out there in the media is actually good and worth taking on board. Like, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter the ministry or standing that a person has in the global church, doesn't matter if they're on the speaking circuit going all around every church, all over America and all around the world, doesn't matter the publication or the website or the article or video is hosted on, doesn't matter how many followers they have on TikTok or Facebook or anything like that. It doesn't matter that their book is named as a bestseller and is front pride of place when you walk through the doors at Kurong. It doesn't matter if it's Laura saying it. It doesn't matter if it's Peter saying it. It doesn't matter if it's me or anyone else from this pulpit or any other pulpit saying it. No matter the person's standing or the source of the resource, we must have that same approach. We must have that same heart as the Bereans. We must check to see if what has been said or written actually lines up with the truth, God's word. Because who knows that if something is true, it's not going to go against that which is true. (laughs) Yeah? Too often we rely on the opinion of man and then we get into trouble. Because we go, oh, that's a mighty woman of God. She's heard directly from God. That must be true. Well, hang on a minute. She appears to be a mighty woman of God and she said some good things that sound at first glance to be true, but I'm going to check first. That is the heart of a Berean. That is the heart we need to cultivate as well. Because in the end, if someone says something and then we, we go and check and it lines up with God's word, then praise the, God, praise the Lord. Like, that's brilliant. We, re, we can receive it. We can receive that word with joy and eagerness. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we've then actually protected ourselves and potentially other people as well 
Because who knows that if we hear something and then start promoting something that's maybe not quite accurate, that can cause a lot of damage as well. But if it doesn't, we can refuse to take it on, we can reject it, and we can move on, and we can stand firm with the truth. Now, friends, here's the challenge, and, and I think this is, this is increasingly a challenge in our, in our world today because we do have so much stuff out there. You could spend your days looking at all sorts of different things on the internet, and that's all you could do, and you would come up with some great stuff, and you would come up with some really terrible, dangerous stuff. We need to seriously consider this. Do, do I, we'll personalise it, do I, do I treasure God's word like a Berean? Do I treasure God's word like a Berean? Do I view the Bible as my ultimate guide and truth for Christian living, for, for who God is, as the very foundation for all knowledge and wisdom and Christian conduct and living? Or, and this might hit home for some of us, do we treat God's Word as something more like a reference book? Something I turn to in times of desperation or when I feel or remember to look at it, but rarely read monthly, let alone daily, and don't actually know it like I know God would want me to. Friends, for us, all of us, to grow in discernment as well as in Christ's likeness. Because let's be real, guys. If we're not reading God's word, we're not coming face to face with his son. And then if we're not coming face to face with his son, how can we possibly be conformed into the image of his son? If we don't know what he sounded like, if we don't know the kind of heart he had for the poor, the marginalised, if we don't know this kind of strength he had in standing firm for what is true and pushing against those of the day who were promoting something that was false. We need to spend time engaging with God's word. And when I say engaging, you know, sometimes we think, I don't know, I've been there, maybe you've been there too, where you engage with God's word and it's like a five-minute little open and you read something and then you shut it again and go about your day and you can't even remember what you'd read earlier. Has anyone been there? Yeah. I'm talking about when we're, when we're engaging with it, I'm talking about engaging with a spirit-led reading, spirit-led immersion, where we cherish it, where we're enjoying it, where we're sitting with the living God as we're opening up the, the truth, the word of God. Become, that we become so familiar with the truth so that, it's, so that we're like an FBI agent seeing a counterfeit bill. That as soon as we even hear or see something that isn't quite right, we're able to discern it. We, even if we can't do it straight away, shortly after, upon a bit of reflection and, and prayer and opening the word, we're like, oh man, that, that, that is not right. Like, I can see the person's heart in that, and that's, that's nice, but what they're saying here is just not right. That's not actually the truth. And then we're able to guard ourselves and we're able to guard others as well from taking on false doctrine or thought. And you know, I said it earlier and it's sad, but this is the reality. False teachers, false teachings everywhere. 
today. It's everywhere. It always has been. It's been there since, since the earliest days, you know? Jesus' time, there were false teachers out there. The new ter- church, there are others promoting all sorts of other things. Over, all throughout history, it's been littered with things that are true, things that are amalgamation of falsities, falsehoods and truth, and just things that are outright false. And sadly, and this is tragic, mistruths and part-truths are being promoted as full truths everywhere in the church today, in the global church. And that's tragedy. But here's the thing. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. But we do need to learn to discern. We don't need to fear. We don't need to kind of go into our shell and go, oh, I can't, I'm just going to have my Bible and not listen to what anyone says lest I get polluted. We just need to really learn to discern to have that spirit like a Berean where we go, oh, that sounds good. I I, I want to accept that, but I'm just going to check first. I'm going to sit with it for a moment. I'm going to open my word. I'm going to pray and ask Jesus for direction here. And then, either way, that'll be like the, the sieve, you know, prospecting, the sieve, and then the gold will rise out and all the other stuff will just fall away. Yeah? As Paul writes to the Hebrews in Hebrews 5.14, he writes, Solid food is for the mature. For who? For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I think that's a good thing to pray for all of us right now. I'm just going to pray that, that we might all have our powers of discernment trained by constant practice so that we'd be able to distinguish good from evil, truth from mistruth as we read and as we cherish God's word and allow Holy Spirit to really guide us in that process and through it all. How do we do that? Let's pray together as we close now. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord God, we recognise that we, are, we do live in a world that is full of truth and falsehoods. We live in a, a world in a, in a secular sense where there's lots of good stuff and there's lots of bad stuff. But Lord, it's not only out there, it's in here as well, in the global church. We know, God, that ever since the, the very, yeah, for, for years and years and years, There have been people who have been promoting things that are not true and are blatantly false for own gain, for their own profit, all that sort of stuff. And so, God, we just pray that you would develop in us, that you would grow our powers of discernment, that, Lord, that you would be doing that and then we would be joining you in that work, God, by by constant practice, Lord, you know, we, I, know, I know what it's like when sometimes when we're, when we're learning an instrument or something, we just want to be good straight away. But it doesn't happen. We've got to train ourselves constantly with practice to, to learn and to gradually build up our skills and our competencies and our abilities. And it's no different when it comes to discernment. We, we're not going to be able to discern that which is 
false from that which is true if we're not daily immersing ourselves in the truth. If we're not reading your word, God, and cherishing your word and having your word as the very foundation for our lives and our conduct. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you might guide us in discerning good from evil, truth from mistruth, as we do our part in reading and cherishing your word, the truth, and as we allow you, Holy Spirit, to come and move in our hearts, guiding us, strengthening us, challenging us, pushing us to to get beyond ourselves, to get with you, God, and then be able to enjoy your presence and then be empowered to live the kind of blessed life that you call us to live in relationship with you. So God, would you do that work? Would you make develop our powers of discernment as we constantly practice in those discerning ways by reading your truth and walking your truth and sharing your truth? We thank you, Jesus. And we know, Lord, that we pray this according with your will because you want to see everyone walking in truth. So God, may we do our part so that we can promote truth and share others, share with others the only truth that will set them free. That being you died, buried and rose again to life, making the way for life and joy and purpose and identity and meaning and all those things to be found through relationship with you, now and forevermore. Grow our discernment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.